Thanks for taking the time to listen to this NHS Employers podcast. For all the latest NHS HR workforce information, visit www.nhsemployers.org. These black spots are created by the ochronosis or by the pigment which forms from the homogenetic acid in our captainuria. So if we do leave the European Union, I think it will potentially damage um, the Alcaptonuria movement because we have been thinking on a European scale. What will happen to health research and innovation collaboration with European countries in post-Brexit Britain? This week we'll be revisiting the impact Europe has had on collaborative scientific research on health and how this could be affected once we leave the EU. It's absolutely vital in research that different organisations and institutions are able to cooperate with one another. And research is no longer about one person in a lab finding something miraculously. It's a very interdependent process. And we'll also take a look at Britain's involvement in European research framework programmes. And we'll investigate some of the key issues for research in terms of the UK's future regulatory cooperation with the EU. We really ought to be making our voice heard now while we're still members of the European Union to ensure that the things that have made UK participation in Horizon 2020 and other framework programmes that can help science to flourish both in Europe, the UK and internationally. Hello, I'm Sarah Cullen and I'm Senior Policy Manager at the NHS European Office in Brussels. I'm currently attending the Rare Disease Day event at the Houses of Commons in Westminster. The issue of Brexit has been brought up several times today and the impact that it may have on research and funding, with rare diseases affecting an estimated 3.5 million people in the UK. Unfortunately, because these diseases are so rare, patients are isolated and medical expertise is also scattered. Therefore, it's crucial to take a broad European-wide approach on these conditions to ensure the most effective collaborative and cross-border strategies. With Britain's exit from the EU getting closer, it is a priority for patients and families affected by rare diseases to ensure they continue to benefit from this European research collaboration, which is supported by European regulatory frameworks. Kate Ling has been to meet one of those families affected by a rare disease. Dr Nick Siro, who is also Chair and CEO of the Alcaptonuria Society, also known as the AKU Society, has two children affected by the rare disease and has been heavily involved in the research and clinical trials that have been funded by grants from the European Commission. To most onlookers, Julian and Daniel will seem like two ordinary healthy teenage boys. Between them, they both love to play video games, and Daniel, the youngest, also enjoys going to the gym. However, a rare black bone disease called alcaptonuria that only starts to make the body deteriorate in later life changed their lives forever. So this is a little video showing Daniel when he was one year old visiting a farm with my parents. So alcaptonuria um, is ultra rare. It affects about one person in half a million. It's characterised by um, a problem with an enzyme. They have a certain enzyme called the HGDs enzyme, which doesn't work properly. And so patients with alcaptonuria accumulate an acid called homogenetic acid at 2,000 times the normal rate. And that binds to cartilage and bone and goes black in a process called ochronosis. 
We found out that our boys had alcaptonuria shortly after our eldest son Julian was born. So we brought him back from the clinic and then on a Sunday afternoon we were changing his nappy when we noticed that the nappy was going red-black. So we went to see our GP the following day um, who got a whole bunch of tests done. It took several weeks but then the results came back as alcaptonuria. So here um, I'm sitting on a bench with my dad and with Julian um, just near the Tower of London and Julian is pointing out we had been told by the doctors that there was nothing we could do, that we just had to enjoy the children's childhood and then later in life, you know, when they got to young adulthood, they would start developing all these problems, but there was nothing we could do about it. And we believed there was probably something we could do about it, but it would just take time. So we joined forces with Robert Gregory and with Dr. Ranganath to create the AKU Society. And we had a very promising drug, which was a drug called nitizinone. So what we then did is um, put together a consortium of 13 organisations. So there's a pharmaceutical company, and there's universities, Liverpool, Siena in uh, um, Italy, uh, in Slovakia also, where there's many patients, um, and in France. And so we set this up and we raised funds from the European Commission. We raised six million euros to do a large clinical trial for this particular drug. And so we had been working with um, different organisations across Europe and we brought them together into this clinical trial which we called Developer Cure. Actually it was more than one clinical trial, it was three different clinical studies. The first one we did about four or five years ago um, was called Sonia 1, Sonia for suitability of nitizinone in alcaptonuria, and that was what they call a dose-ranging study. In the second study, which is called suitability of nitizinone in alcaptonuria 2, we studied patients, we invited them in for six visits, um, where they had um, all kinds of tests done, where 70 were given access to the drug and 70 were not as a comparison, and now we have a year left in this study, which finishes early next year, after which we're going to look at the data and see whether it's positive. And if it's positive, we will apply to the European Medicines Agency for a, for a license or for what's called marketing authorization. Nick Mead is Director of Policy at Genetic Alliance UK. Genetic Alliance UK has identified four key themes where rare diseases and Brexit have, have some risks. So the first one's on medicines. Um, medicines are regulated um, across Europe by the European Medicines Agency, which provides a single um, supranational marketing uh, environment where one can launch a medicine for lots of countries in one go. Um, if we're outside of that, we think that uh, UK patients will be lower down the queue for new rare disease medicines. Um, in the research world, collaboration is key and having a large population to do research on, especially in rare diseases, is important. So being inside uh, an environment with um, research regulated across Europe is very important for us and being able to be part of pan-European projects will be crucial. A lot of, a lot of those two pan-European approaches are, are under threat. Um, there's a really important initiative for us called European Reference Networks, which provide a infrastructure and a network for clinicians to collaborate about, about the treatment of rare conditions. So as things stand, um, it seems unlikely that the UK will be able to continue to participate in ERNs. The fourth thing is influence on EU policy. Um, we think the UK has played a really important role in getting accurate scientific voices into policy making at the European Parliament and um, at the Council of Ministers. The Brexit Health Alliance brings together different areas that provide healthcare within the UK to safeguard the interests of patients and the healthcare and research they rely on as the UK leaves the EU. 
The co-chair of the Alliance and chief executive of the NHS Confederation, Neil Dixon, highlights the importance of research and what the Brexit Health Alliance is calling for. It's absolutely vital in research that different organisations and institutions are able to cooperate with one another. And research is no longer about one person in a lab finding something miraculously and shouting Eureka. That's not how research develops. It's a very interdependent process. And over the last um, 30 or 40 years, we have become much more dependent on our European friends and colleagues as they have become much more dependent on us to help advance uh, medical and health research in the wider sense. The Brexit Health Alliance wants to see as far as possible alignment between our regulatory systems and those of Europe. We want to see preserved the levels of cooperation which have built up over the last 15-20 years on a whole range of areas, particularly around rare diseases where some fantastic cooperation has developed. And we want to see the UK absolutely plugged into the research process. We want an immigration policy within the UK that encourages talent and welcomes talent to come and work here. Because we are preeminent in that area, but one of the reasons we're preeminent is that we attract people from all over the world to come and work here. And we want to be that same welcoming place which can actually be at the forefront of the development of medicine and medical in innovation anywhere in the world. And Dr Nick Siro also wants to see alignment between EU regulatory standards on medicine. I think the UK should as much as possible continue to align itself with the rules of the European Union for clinical studies and also for medicines because the EU is a much bigger market than just the UK and also you can get the scale needed to treat these diseases. So if we do leave the European Union I think it will potentially damage and the Alcaptonuria movement because we have been thinking on a European scale and if we want to do further trials on new treatments uh, you know which are different and potentially better than nitazenone we would still need to think on a European scale so it's very important for me to actually be able to find a treatment for this disease because the boys Julian is now aged 17 Daniel is now aged 14 and they are getting closer to the years when actually the, the disease will really start affecting them. So the clock is ticking and we need to get things done. And that's why we're hopeful that this clinical study we're doing will actually hopefully be able to show some positive results. To find out more about the Brexit Health Alliance and to read the briefing paper we have produced on patient access to medical research, visit www.nhsconfed.org forward slash Brexit Health Alliance. Before today's event, I was keen on finding out a bit more about the European Research Framework programmes and some of the scientific research systems that could be affected by Brexit. So I travelled to the Wellcome Trust office, just off Euston Square in London, to meet up with Stuart Pritchard, the EU Affairs Manager at Wellcome. We're part of a group of eight uh, scientific organisations in the UK who've collaborated on a piece of research to actually try and understand what UK value to the EU is. And I think it's significant. Uh, we have uh, a whole network of active organisations who regularly contribute to discussion in Brussels, who participate in legislation, who have a significant voice in understanding 
what, for example, legislation on clinical trials should look like. Um, the data protection regulation, there was a strong UK voice in understanding how that should evolve to reflect the needs of medical research, scientific research. With Brexit, obviously that will have a significant impact on the community that we work with and fund. And so we've been working closely with a number of organisations in the UK and elsewhere to understand what those impacts are. And those are obviously in people and migration, uh, funding uh, and collaboration, and also on regulation. Uh, traditionally, at a European level, we've spent most of our time focusing on regulation. Uh, but it's obvious from the uh, discussions around Brexit, both during the referendum and subsequently, that there will be uh, significant challenges for UK organisations, scientists and researchers in participating in European collaborations. And obviously science is a collaborative endeavour, so it's very important that those collaborations can continue. So it's important for the UK to have a swift and simple migration system that allows uh, researchers to come and work in the UK with organisations to bring their expertise and knowledge, to bring often their research teams, to bring their uh, dependents and families with them, um, and also for that system to be flexible to allow for both short visits and longer term uh, stays to ensure that there are a variety of different research collaborations can take place. The questions over continuing participation in Horizon 2020 are um, short term, um, but there is the longer term consideration of Framework Programme 9. Um, it seems sensible to anticipate that what will happen in Framework Programme 9 will have an impact, will have an influence on UK organisations. So we really ought to be making our voice heard now while we're still members of the European Union to ensure that the things that have made UK participation in Horizon 2020 and other framework programmes, um, that can endure, that can help, that can help science to flourish both in Europe, the UK and internationally. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you want to know more, please go to our website. You can also subscribe online to the NHS European Office Brexit Bulletin or follow us on Twitter at NHSConfed underscore EU. Oh.